Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And today we are joined by Jacqueline Shattuck. Said it right? Jacqueline Shattuck. You got it. You're right. Said there. it right. I'm so worried about that. So Jacqueline Shattuck. So we met on social media a couple of years ago and I've just been impressed by you. And I'm just happy to have you on the show. People be ready, strap in, get ready to hear what this wonderful lady has to say. Welcome to the show. Well, hey, Emlyn. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Everybody, we did meet on social media, but this was before the pandemic. So mm-hmm. we're pre-pandemic buds. Yeah. We go it's way been, back. For real, for real. Like, I think distant cousins, something like that. We talk about like, <laughs> you know, you're supposed to be coming out here to help the girls and all that. So I was really happy to have you on and seeing you, just seeing you grow and seeing you just watching your journey as you develop your career and just your brand and all that. And so, you know, man, we just jump right in. Talk to us a little bit about you. Tell us, tell the people about you. <laughs> Oh, so it's funny. You brought up a campaign. You said, don't be a pretty girl without money. And it's so funny because I started saying that maybe in 2018 and I kind of stopped in 2019. So it's funny that here we are two years later and you're still bringing up that campaign. And I think that just speaks to the power of a person's brand. And once you brand yourself and once you have an image, (laughs) it can be kind of hard to shake, which can be a good thing. It can work in your favor. Because two years later, you could be asked on a podcast (laughs) based on some posts you had back in the day. But for me, it's been an interesting story as as far as brand building, right? So the reason I got started was because when I first came into the industry, I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always knew that I want to have my own firm and work for myself. Some people just know that from jump. So when I first got into the industry, I worked for a solopreneur. I worked for a financial advisor with his own office. So when I came in, he was like, yeah, I want to teach you financial planning, but I also need help with all these other things. So I'm going to need you to do these other things too. And I'm like, cool, I got this. Let me do all the things, right? And then I realized quickly, oh, that's a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I got really good at the marketing piece. So doing the newsletter, doing the social media, those kinds of things, client events, because it was back in the day when we were meeting. (laughs) And so I started doing all that stuff. And Clients started asking, other financial advisors started asking, like, who's doing your stuff? Your stuff looks really good. So me being the quiet introvert, I am like, that's me raising my hand. Yep, that's me. So people started asking me to do their social media stuff. And then I stepped into a position on the board for the Financial Planning Association of Georgia. Shout out FPA. I stepped onto a board position and I was the uh, PR person. It required me to take care of the website and to do the social media. So I'm doing all of this stuff for all these people. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is great. You're doing so well. And then they're like, well, where's your social media? I had none. Mm-hmm. No Facebook, no Instagram, no. I don't even know what happened to MySpace. If you can find that, please yeah. delete it. <laughs> right. Because that was the last thing that I had. I didn't like social media at all. I still am not a big fan of using it personally, but I've learned how to use it for my brand. So when I got on in 2017, I was like, everything is brand focused. Everything is about being a CFP and serving clients. 
So I hopped on, was like, cool. What do my clients want to see? They want to see me in my suit. They want to see me shaking hands. They want to see me in client meetings, all of this stuff. And then I learned that the social media world doesn't really like that. That's boring. (laughs) So I just learned from trial and error. I was like, all right, you're going to have to put a little flair in there. Otherwise, you're not going to keep the people interested. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to 2021, you hop on my page, you might see a motorcycle, you might see a fancy car, you might see me on vacation, you know. There's different things that you'll see. And that's all part of just building a brand. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. But you mean people wanted to see what you were actually doing. They just didn't want that just kind of, you know, stock image stuff. They wanted to see what Jacqueline was actually doing. They wanted Mm -hmm. to kind of know that you ride a motorcycle. They wanted to know that you like to go on vacation and you you like nice things and you can like nice things and be a CFP. (laughs) You can have nice things. I mean, you don't have to like (laughs) save every dollar that you make. You can actually... (laughs) live a lifestyle and purchase stuff yeah you got to you got to but for me it was like all right i just want to be myself Mm -hmm. people don't connect with perfect because as much as we like to see perfect online we don't really connect with that because we know ourselves that we're not perfect Mm -hmm. so when you see perfect online you might be like oh okay that's cool but you probably don't connect with that right so think about that from a prospect's perspective, like how do they connect with you mm-hmm. when you're building your brand? They can't connect with you and most likely they can't connect with you in your suit, sitting in your boring office, you know, with your books. Like, no, they need things that make them feel comfortable, right? Like they have a relationship with you. So for example, I posted this video of me talking about how CNBC put out this article that said 43% of people cheat on their partner financially. So that post has been viewed at least 15,000 times at this point within like a few hours of me posting it, right? So I'm like, oh, okay, this is what people want to talk about. There's three pillars that people want to talk about. They want to talk about health. They want to talk about wealth. They want to talk about relationships. So I covered two things in this one post. And that's why this one post is getting so much engagement. One is a video of me talking. Two, it's educational, right? So I morphed all of these things together and it's like, okay, that's the perfect storm. That's what people want to see. So for anybody who's out there trying to figure out how to use their social media to build their brand, you've got to think about what do prospects connect with, right? Also consider what platform you're on. If you're on TikTok, you're going to have to make TikTok videos. You're not going to be able to take your Instagram reels or just random videos that you make and put them on TikTok. You've got to know what platform you're on. All of this is important when you're building your brand. Absolutely. So going through that journey of developing your brand, where did that lead you to? What's going on now? Where are we at now? I have learned more about digital marketing in the last year and a half than ever, which I'm sure most of us have. (laughs) So I've taken the leap to offer online digital products. Because you run into, and let me know if I'm alone in this, you run into more people online who are not potential clients than who are. Yeah, absolutely. But there's got to be some way to serve them in some way, shape, or form, right? The reason why I created a course, honestly, was because people were asking me, they were DMing me, emailing me, where's your course? I'm going to buy your course. I was like, oh, this is what y'all want. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Well, let's give the people what they want. And I know a lot of advisors would have a hard time humbling themselves to be like, what? I'm not about to create a course. That's crazy. I offer high level services. I've worked with people with millions of dollars. Like I'm not about to offer a course to somebody who makes less than six figures. I can understand that. But if you break down the numbers, I sell a course, it's 297. If I sell one course a day, because $275 a day is $100,000 a year. If I sell one course a day, I'm making six figures. So if I hop on a Zoom with a group of women who all have agreed that they want to change their financial futures, and there's 100 women on here, and I close 10 women, well, I just made my money for the next two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. So... I'm just saying it's possible. I've been doing it. It's been a lot of fun. I have run into a lot of hiccups and I've been working through those. So I'm getting ready to actually launch a mentorship for other financial advisors who want to be in this space because I was a little bit hesitant to do it and there was nobody that really could lead me down the path. It sounded good. I was like, okay, cool. That sounds good. Like I only got so one a day. I could possibly make six figures in a year. Like hmm, passively, like, okay, I like this. I can help more people because... There's a lot of people that reach out to you and you genuinely want to help them, but it's not profitable. So what do you do? So I'm getting ready to launch a mentorship to help other advisors go down the same path. Nice. I like it. I like it. Does it have a name? Does the program have a name? I always love names if you can give it. If I don't want, don't make me give it. If you can't give it yet, it's okay. No, let's work because I'm thinking something about like a digital advisor because that's where advisors need help. They need help in this digital space. Mm-hmm. Like how do you conquer this digital space and have a digital practice? And what are the hurdles of that? One of the hurdles is having an offering for people who cannot afford your services traditionally. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's building out your service model as a digital advisor. So yeah. something, you know, along the lines, digital advisor mentorship package mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So it's going to help people increase their digital engagement. Is that what you're trying to do? Their online presence is that, you know what I mean? Like we're trying to get more followers or we're trying to get more engagement. One thing I always tell people is this is something that we did in one of the coaching courses that I did. And as you were talking about this, it just resonated with me too, because we're talking about selling one of those a day. I think if you look at, because you also alluded to, you run into more people that don't fit your services than do, right? So I looked at it this way and I thought to myself, like, do I really need more than 100 people? Mm-hmm. No, you just need 100 people that believe in what you're doing. And then you create a repeatable process. One of the people that I think the company that is the best at this is Apple because they keep selling us shit that we already like they have us now. It slowly happens too, and it's they slowly bleed you. Right. So I was like, OK, I'm going to give me an iPhone. I got an iPhone two years ago, I think two or three years ago, because I still have the same one. I still got an iPhone X or 10 or whatever. That's around the time I got mine. So I got my iPhone, right? So I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to get the iPhone. Now I got the watch. Now I got the laptop. Now I got two pairs of AirPods. Now I'm over here. Now I got the keyboard. I got the mouse. What I'm saying is, is if you have the product, like you're saying, now when you have that first class and that's 297, (laughs) it's not going to be hard to go out and develop something else to the people that are already purchasing from you another class or another Great. product or another Great. service. Cause it's, it's like, I don't need to go find a new hundred people because people like buying from the same type of company. I forgot where I was going with that, but I had a point. I promised I had a point, but I just, my train of thought was wrecked on that. But no, you were just saying that when people want to purchase something, they want to purchase where they're comfortable. 
right? So it's easy to have, you're talking about 100 customers at first, mm-hmm. but in the digital world, because the internet is so vast, we call it a thousand real fans. Yeah. What you need is a thousand real fans. And once you have a thousand real fans, it just makes multiplying so much easier. Mm-hmm. And the internet is an easy place to do that. Absolutely. I know you were talking about we're, you know, as Thanksgiving this week and, and we have people celebrating that. And then we got Black Friday as well. Talk to us a little bit about some of that stuff. I mean, you said you had something going on and, and I want to hear a little bit about that initiative. Yeah. So we're calling it Black Wealth Friday. OK, so we want to take the historically biggest spending day of the year and turn it into the biggest investing day of the year for people of color. I know we've talked about the numbers before. I've heard them on your podcast before, but we know that for every one dollar that a white family has, a black family only has 10 cents to match that dollar. So we want to change that narrative. Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit about that. How do you change that? I'll, like You said Blackwell Friday. I'm in. I'm all ears. Talk to me about that. <laughs> You're all in. Okay, dope. So the idea is we're having everybody make an investment. So we're calling it Black Wealth Week because we know it's the holiday. You may be with your family on Friday or you may be spending the extra cash that you have on Friday and the market is only open half of the day. So I know you guys are over there West Coast time. So it's even tighter for you. (laughs) So we kind of are making it the week. But the idea is if you can set up a transfer for your investments to be made on Friday, that would be ideal, right? And then you send us a screenshot so that we can have a record of how much money was invested on Friday. Nice. Okay. So how do they do this? Because I'm thinking like some people are going to be do-it-yourselfers, right? They're going to go on their app or whatever they have, and they're going to purchase whatever they're going to buy. And then some people are going to have an advisor. So how do they share it? How do they like, give us a little more background on that and little details? Good question. So we have the Melanin Millionaires Club. So in the Melanin Millionaires Club, we have over like 1,500 members right now. So they will all upload a screenshot. For anybody else who's wanting to have their numbers counted, if your advisor does it, cool. You know, you can get a screenshot. Anybody can get a screenshot. So they're just going to send it to podcast at melaninmoney.com. And then we're just going to have everything calculated. Should be ready to go by Monday. Okay. So we should have an, a total of how much was invested for Black Wealth Friday. So that'd be that Monday. Was that the 29th or something? The 30th? Is it? Cyber Monday. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some more money going out, right? Cyber yeah. Monday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I like that. I really like that. So the thing is, the ideal behind it is because this is such a big spending day, because there's so much wealth there, we want to make sure that the only thing you're doing isn't just spending money. We actually want you to create some wealth on that Friday exactly. when everybody else is spending money. Is that what it is? That's what? Yeah. Okay. We're not selling you any courses, no eBooks, mm-hmm. no nothing. We literally just want you to invest in. It's not like you even have to invest with our company or anybody that we use. There's no affiliate links associated. Like we just want a screenshot to know that it's being done because part of our mission, so George, Pong, Carter Cofield, and myself head up the community. And part of our initiative is really just to close the wealth gap. We know why it's there. We've talked about that, but we want to figure out how to close that, how to be proactive about closing that. So how can we do our part in helping to close the wealth gap. And so this is a big piece of that. Nice. I just love the I love the whole thing. I'm big on not necessarily the traditional Thanksgiving thing, but the week that we get to spend time with family around that holiday. Thanksgiving is the or that time of year is probably my favorite. Not probably it's my absolute favorite holiday. And I think being able to have something like Black Wealth Week and being able to talk about that 
all week with the family while they're all around and getting people to make those first investments, I think is so huge and so impactful as we're trying to close that gap that continues to widen, right? Yeah, it is continuing to widen and that's really heartbreaking, disheartening. So whatever we can do to try to reverse that, I think is going to be crucial, you know, and I think a lot of times people hear advisors talk about money, right? And they're like, oh my gosh, you're so money hungry, da, 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 da. And it's like, no, money brings opportunity. It brings the opportunity for me to be able to travel, for me to be able to go visit my family. You know, I live in Atlanta now, but most of my family is on the West Coast. They're in California. Left Coast, best coast. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> so, you know, that's what the whole purpose of having money is, right? To have opportunities and to eventually be able to have peace of mind. The richer you get doesn't mean that your problems go away, just means your problems are different. And I would rather have rich people problems. Man, I'm telling you, I didn't have them broke people problems. I don't want no broke people problems no more. (laughs) I didn't have them grinding problems. I had all those. So what do you think to the person that's listening to this and we're talking black wealth, right? And what do you say to that person that's like skeptical? Well, what am I going to do? Or I don't know how to do it. Or they're scared. But how do you talk? What words of encouragement would you have for that person? Because they're listening the, right now. To the person who's skeptical of investing? Skeptical. Yeah. Man, can I just be 100? Give it a buck. I don't know. I kind of want to say grow up. Come on, do, do your research. Do your due diligence. You know what I'm saying? We're in the age of information, like YouTube University. I know it's hard to trust people, but the worst place for you to have your money right now is in a bank. Mm-hmm. The worst place for you to have your money right now is under a mattress in your purse, hidden in that Folgers coffee can (laughs) in the kitchen. That's the worst place to have your money. And this is not a recommendation. (laughs) So (laughs) this is not a recommendation. However, I always tell people this, if you're looking for something to invest in, you're like, I don't know what to buy. I don't know what to buy. Okay. Look into your closet, look around your house, look in your driveway, look at your watch, look at your phone, look at the brands that you have in your house. I promise you there's going to be some type of theme. We just spent some time talking about our favorite technology brand, <laughs> Apple, right? Always, in my opinion, I think it's always a good place to start is to start with things that you believe in, brands that you trust. If you're already believing in them, you're already paying the brand anyways, and you're already investing in the brand, if you will. So why not get some a return on your investment by purchasing stuff that you already believe in. We don't have to convince you. We don't have to give you any history of the company. You understand this because it's a product that you believe in. Some, and that's where I usually send people. And you can do this on your own. You don't need to have an advisor to do that. You can just go out there and you know take whatever dollar amount you want to pay and invest into something that you believe in. I think that's a foolproof plan because like I said, you're looking at something that you're already doing. This isn't something that I, no one's having to coach you on this. No one's having to tell you, sell you on a company. It's something that you believe in. So that's my little two cents that I like to throw in the people. Just buy what you own. No, that's a really good point. You know, buy what you own or grab you a target date fund. Mm-hmm. Grab you a target date fund, guys. A target date fund, it's just a fund that's going to be managed. And it's going to get more conservative the closer you get to retirement. Okay. So you got a manager who's taking care of those investments for you. Just grab a target date fund, you know? And also I want to remind people, if you're trying to build wealth, if you're trying to change your situation, which shameless plug, my course is called how to transform your finances in 30 days. It's about a financial transformation. It's the top five things that you need to know in order to transform your situation. After almost eight years of being a financial advisor, 
I was like, these are the top five things that people need to know in order to transform their situation. So if you want to change your situation, if you want to invest, you need to mirror what wealthy people do. So it was disheartening to me being a financial advisor. And I sat down, had a consultation with a very well-paid black family, notable in the Atlanta area, sat down, had a consultation with them, explained my fee. They were like, hmm, we just don't know if we can really pay that fee. And it's not that the value's not there. It's just that we don't know if we could really see that money going out every month. Okay, well, you guys are the ones that are in trouble right now, okay? Mm-hmm. You're the ones with stock options that you have no idea what you're doing with. You guys are the ones that say, oh, we just got these random rich people problems. We just got these random checks. We keep getting these random checks, 20000 30000 blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to say too much because I'm going to give away who the family is. Mm-hmm. But they're like, we just don't know what to do with it. So then they want to take advice from their CPA. I was like, but your CPA is not an advisor and the advice they're giving you, I wouldn't even get. So I'm like, look, you sat here and you explained to me how painful it was for you guys to feel like you're 45 years old and you guys make over half a million dollars a year and you have almost nothing to show for it. You feel like that's a real pain point for you, but you're not willing to pay for a financial advisor's help. And my fees are not exorbitant. So I'm just, this is a problem in the black community. We don't want to pay financial advisors for help. Most of my career has been spent working with affluent white families, typically over the age of 50. They have no problem paying. They're like, no, 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 I know I don't know this, so do this for me. I run into affluent black families. They just will have no financial advisor. And I'm like, okay, so we want to close this wealth gap. We want to be on the other side. We want to have peace of mind, but we don't want to invest. Having a financial advisor is an investment, right? It's not an expense. It's an investment. And we can't seem to discern the two. And that just bothers me. It really breaks my heart. And that's why I really feel like I have been forced into this financial education space. Because I'm like, okay, people need more education. They need more of these straightforward conversations from me and Inland letting them know, like, look, it is what it is. Keeping it all the way 100. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, because like you know, like we talked to, I talked to someone the other day, and uh, one of my clients, and we were going through some of the stuff, and I was, you know, the biggest thing is when we're talking about wealth building is cash flow. Let's get the cash flow. Let's see what's going on. What's coming in? What's going out? How many people can just say we got ten thousand coming in, we got five thousand going out? Most people don't know that. I have yet to have one person that I bring on as a client know that before I get them into the process, yeah. and it's one of those things like. I was given some financial advice when I was a kid and I think I was in high school and someone said something, it was so simple. And I was like, that's the advice you're going to give me. That's all you got to say. He's like, don't spend more money than you make. That's it. And I didn't realize how, like, cause now working with people and knowing, you know, and I'm not trying to sound like the marginal propensity for Americans to spend and then black Americans to spend is well over 100% of their income. Man. And so when he said that, he told me that I want to say I was like 18, 19 years old. I was young. And he said, you know what I'm going to tell you? This is the most valuable advice you'll ever get. Don't spend more money than you make. And he walked away. He's an older white guy. And I was like, (laughs) whatever. But statistics tell us how much money we spend. And the other thing is, I always hear people talk about savings plans. There's not a lot of attention given to spending plans. And when you are wealthy, you're not working on a savings plan. Let's get this. If your goal is to be wealthy, you need to focus on your spending. Why am I saying that? 
Because when you're independently wealthy, you're not trying to accumulate wealth. You already have that. And when you put yourself on a spending plan, then you can identify things that are important to you and things that aren't important to you. And you can stop spending money on the things that aren't important. Therefore, it actually kind of turns into a savings plan, even though it's spending, because you're just being conscious about what you're not purchasing. And it changes the connotation of how people think about it. Because savings like, oh, I can't do this. But spending and saying, I don't want to spend money on that is the same behavior as saving. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. There's like a couple things that come to mind when I think of that. Some people do have a spending problem. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I noticed in the Black community, which it's evident by the pay gap, is that some of us have an income earning problem. Oh. Some of us have a problem asking for what we're worth. Some of us have a problem believing in ourselves that we can be entrepreneurs and that we can earn extra income or that we can have a side hustle and make extra income. Like some of us have a belief issue, but some of us have an income issue and we need to solve the income issue before we can really even solve the other issues. Because sometimes you're just making enough to make ends meet. It's like the expenses aren't really a problem. It's just the fact that you need to make more money. I just talked about this on another podcast and we were talking about it and it was negotiating, right? So Mm -hmm. we get to the point where, you know, student debt is out of control, especially for minorities, out of control, right? We already get, we graduate college, we got tons of student debt and now we're trying to enter the workforce. So we get a job. We're just happy to get a job. We don't negotiate the salary. We don't talk about what we're worth. We don't talk about, and the funny thing is that we don't even know what we're worth. We don't even understand our value. We're not aware of it. So we go in and someone pays you $20,000 less than what you're supposed to make. And that's almost $2,000 a month, which would actually help you be able to create wealth. But because we don't have, you know, the understanding, we don't even ask the question. And so here recently, I've been talking to some of my friends that I knew were going for jobs and I talked to them about what to negotiate and how to negotiate. And won't you know, they all got paid more. Every one of them got paid more just because they asked. And it was crazy because they were like, I'll put it to you this way. One of them was so nervous about it. When I talked to him, I was like, hey, bro, what that, you know, what'd you do? Did you say this? Did you say, he's like, yeah, man. And they ain't talked to me. They ain't said nothing back. And like, you know, I ain't heard back from him since I said that, bro. He's like, man, I don't know. I was like, it's going to be all right. Then I asked him a couple of weeks later. And he's like, yeah, they came back and they gave me what I wanted. It was actually better than I thought. I was like, closed mouth, don't get fed. And we say stuff like that. We say like, that's a closed mouth, don't get fed. And we will not ask for a race. And we won't ask for more money before we start. And then that trickles down and affects everything else in our finance and our ability to build wealth. Yeah. I mean, the worst that they'll say is what? No, it's not in our budget. But we can give you this. Okay, cool. I'll take that. But I'm also going to take unlimited PTO and I'm going to need four weeks of vacation not to. Mm-hmm. Because people forget that PTO, vacation, all that extra stuff, they know what they're paying you. They know what unlimited PTO means. They're not sliding that by. They're not getting over on you. Mm -hmm. Like, they know what that costs. So make sure that you're using your PTO. Make sure you're using all of your benefits. Make sure you're negotiating your total compensation. So we're not just talking salary. We're talking negotiation of your total compensation because the things that you're talking about are a part of your compensation that aren't included in your salary. Those are just different ancillary benefits that, wow, this is crazy. It sounds like I've worked with benefits before. These are some different ancillary benefits that you can get in that negotiation. And I always hear people say this, and I don't know why I'm just, this is just something that I feel on my heart. People always think that their 401k is like a bonus. No, that's a negotiated part of your compensation. And it's money that's <laughs> that's money. It's not free money. 
when you came on, they told you that you're going to get this, 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 this. And so if you're not getting that money from your 401k that the company is supposed to give you, you're not getting all the total compensation that you're supposed to get. I don't know who needs to hear that, but soak that in and make sure you're getting that next year. Don't miss your open enrollment if you're still going so that you don't get the three, six, eight percent that the company can give you because you failed to enroll. Please. I'm like, who said it was free money? Like, who came up with that? I, dumbest thing I ever heard. Because <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, it's not free money. It's my negotiated compensation. Kind of the same thing. Like, I don't know. Let me rant real quick. Like, kind yeah. of the same thing is like, pay yourself first. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. First of all, it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, I'm not going to pay myself first. If it came down to it, paying my mortgage or investing, I'm paying my mortgage. That's where mm-hmm. I live. I got to mm-hmm. live somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. So pay yourself first. It, it doesn't make sense. I'm telling you, I want you to buy your time back. I want you to buy your time back. That's what you're doing when you're investing. You're buying your time back. So you're investing, hopefully for a point when work is going to be optional, retirement, aka retirement, right? Mm -hmm. So I want you to buy more of your time back. All that money that you're investing is giving you the ability to do so. Like pay yourself first. Like I came from a real struggle to the point where For those who don't know my story, my mom invested $1.4 million. It was her inheritance. She lost all that money in four years. We went from struggle, poor, broke to having some money to it all being gone within four years of high school for a normal person, right? So having gone through that and watching my mom have to use the very last of her invested money while paying exorbitant financial advisor fees, paying penalties because of the account type, paying penalties on the investment type, watching her go through that, and then learning the advisory world and how you're supposed to invest. I was like, yeah, taking that money out goes completely against everything that we're working on. But guess what? When you're in that kind of a traumatic financial situation, you got to do what you got to do. So pay yourself first. Even when I learned that that was like an industry term, I was like, that doesn't resonate with me. I want you to buy your time back. And I think that there's a lot of industry terms and industry jargon that just wasn't made for us. Facts. Right. And so it does, it's not going to resonate with us. Like, I mean, we had a shirt that said secure the bag. Everybody knows what that means. You know what I mean? <laughs> like everybody that's listening to the show knows what secure the bag. I mean, you got to, you know, count them chickens, keep your mentals. You know what I mean? Stuff like that is stuff that we say. Right. And I think that because there's not that many of us in the industry, what we would say to our clients has it become common knowledge or come and speak amongst other financial advisors and people in the industry. Yeah, it hasn't. And so I'm on a mission to try to change that, right? Because people need to know that achieving wealth can look like us. Mm -hmm. So somebody has to blaze the trail, right? So it's funny, I got asked in 20, I want to say 2018, maybe 2019, but somebody asked me, they were like, hey, do you think that you're leading the way for other women of color, CFPs and things like that? And just women in the industry. And I was like, no, like I'm just working my job. I'm just advising. <laughs> what are you talking about? And then I kind of looked around and this was around the time people started asking me to do podcast interviews and to do more media stuff. And I was like, huh, maybe I am leading the way. Like, huh, we're less than 4%. Hmm. Oh, I am. And I was like, okay, I have to take this a little bit more serious and I have to take more responsibility for this because me growing up, I didn't have any mentors. I didn't see a lot of six figure families. Like I grew up in a really 
poor rural areas. So the fanciest car, like I remember this one lady had a BMW and I was like, yes, I want a BMW one day. Like my mom, when she got her money, she was able to buy her dream car, which was a Mercedes. So it was like, wow, this is so fancy. And so for me, I was like, look, I want people to know that these things are achievable for them, right? So when you see me on Instagram, when you see me on social media riding around in my little two-seater bins, it's not to show off, it's to show that it's possible because I didn't see that it was possible growing up. So I want to make sure that people understand other Black women, other minorities, other people who want to be CFPs, I want them to understand that it's possible. Absolutely. Representation. And that's why you're blazing the trail, because you are the representation of what other black women can be. And I think that it needs to be seen. Right. It needs to be seen. It always takes me back. It was a LinkedIn conversation. I'll say this and then we'll get to those questions I want to ask you. But it was a LinkedIn request. This is a couple of years back. I think I just started my firm and I think it was like 20. So I started my firm in 2017. I want to say like 2018. So a young brother reached out to me and he was like, you know, hey, man, just try to connect with me or whatnot. Of course, I'm just going to connect with you. So I, we connect and he sends me a message. He was like, man, you know, I've never, never spoken to a CEO before. Like you're the first CEO I've ever spoken to. It's like so awesome. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me, this and that. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, I am a CEO. Like, it's like it, it didn't hit. Like I was like, I am a CEO. But at the same time, it was just, I didn't think much of it. But me being a CEO for him was the representation of he could do it. He's seen someone else that does it. He's like, I've never talked to one before, but I know that I can do it now. I know that it's possible because I'm seeing you and, and you look like me. And that's what the conversation got to. And I was like, and it didn't dawn on me, just like it didn't dawn on you that people are looking at you. People are looking up to you. People are trying to, to aspire to be where you're at. And I think that it's important for us to hear those things from people that we're pulling along and we don't even know. And they're pushing us and they don't even know. And so I think that that's a beautiful thing that, that we need to hear more of. And we got to get better with sharing those stories with our communities or with our community and letting them hear that. Man, I like that. Yeah, no, I like that. And I tell people, I'm like, look, if you're a leader in this space, people can't follow your footsteps if you're not leaving footprints. If you're not sharing your stories, if you're not letting people know why you're doing what you're doing. If I don't stand up here and say, hey, I don't have nice things because I want to show off and I want to rub it in your face. I want you to see that it's possible and I want to teach you how to do it too, mm-hmm. right? If you don't leave an imprint, if you don't share your experiences, then people won't have anything to follow, right? And they don't understand that it's possible. So I like that a lot. Absolutely. Well, Jacqueline, as you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And I have some questions that I want to ask you The first one is what motivates you or inspires you to grow, learn and lead? So it's funny. Market Watch just did an article on me about my story and they choose the headline, not me. And so the headline was, I promised myself I'd never be broke again. Financial advisor, family loses 1.4 million very quickly and gets it back. So really what keeps me motivated was at 17 years old, I promised myself that's when my mom lost her money. I promised myself I would never be broke again because that was terrible. Like not having options is terrible, right? It was literally eat oatmeal for breakfast, eat rice with chicken broth for dinner. It was that. So I was like, I will never be here again. So what keeps me motivated is honestly, I will never be broke again. And then the other thing that keeps me motivated is that I had no mentors and I had no leaders. And there was like 
you know, J. Cole, No Role Models. Mm -hmm. I listen to that song Mm -hmm. pretty often because there was nobody leading the way for me. So that's the two things that motivate me. So as soon as he said that, I'm thinking NBA Jackie. NBA (laughs) Jackie. I was like, that'd be your rap name right there. Never broke (laughs) you. It's between that or Jackpot J is what they're calling me. I like it. I like it. I like it. Do you think that education has played a big part in wealth building? Yeah, absolutely. Because you need the information. So at first, a big contributor to the wealth gap is the fact that all the rich people had the information and they weren't sharing it with people. The information was all at the top. And one, we didn't have the channels of information that we have now, right? We didn't have the internet. We didn't have social media. We didn't have YouTube University, okay? Mm -hmm. So all the information was at the top. If you didn't have the information, how are you supposed to execute? There's so many times that my mind has been expanded by information that I've gotten, by Mm -hmm. education. So that's huge. You know, the brain is the only organ in the body that doesn't have a disposal system. So when you learn more, your mind expands. And once your mind expands, it can't go back to where it was. Right. So when I saw that lady driving that BMW, when my mom got that first Mercedes Benz, I said, I'm not going back. Mm-hmm. I can't go back. I did go back for a little while. So <laughs> it out. But education is the first part because you need education. You need the information in order to execute. Absolutely. If you could offer a piece of advice to our listeners, what would that be? Four pieces. It could be more than one. Get after it. Period. That's it. Get after it. You can figure it out. Honestly, you know, this is a great place to learn. I would go back through your podcast episodes and you can just learn from all the experts that have been here. This is what, episode 126? Something like that. Something 120 something. So if you went back through all those episodes that Emlyn did, imagine how much smarter you would be. Just commit. You know, if there's an area that you don't understand, like if personal finance is a struggle for you and you're like, dang, I really need to make more money. Look into that. Educate yourself on that. It starts with you. You know, I look back like there's sometimes that I start doing these videos for social media that I'm like, hmm, people should hear this. Let me make a quick video. One take, two takes is up there. There was a time when I wouldn't even know what the heck to say in the video. Right. Like I'm reading these CNBC articles just as confused as some of you are now. It's learned. It's not natural. Managing your finances is the most important non-natural skill of the 21st century. Do you agree with that, Emily? I agree. 100%. So it's non-natural. That means that it's learned. So you got to get the information and the information is available. You know, if you want to better yourself, you have the opportunity to do so. I love it. L-F-G. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to, you guys figure out what that is. You guys got (laughs) to figure out that's what she started with. L-F-G. Let's go. (laughs) Thank you for coming on to the show today. Jacqueline, coming in, hanging out with us, sharing your time of your knowledge and your passion. So thanks for coming on. And if people want to get more of Jacqueline, where can they get you? What social medias are you active on? Where can they find some more of you? My Instagram is popping. I'm kind of getting in Twitter a little bit. Are you on there? Yeah, we drug you in. We just drug you in there a little bit. We've been dragging you into Twitter. Yeah, I see that. What happened was my Instagram was hacked for like five weeks. So I hopped on Twitter so you guys can find me there. Everything is just Jacqueline plans. But I appreciate you having me, Emlyn. And I'm going to have to come back and update you on the digital advisor platform. I want you to be a part of that, too. Absolutely. We got to come up with a name. So I'm telling you, that's my thing. So I got you. We, we'll go ahead and we, I'm telling you, it'll come. So let me think about some things and you might like one of them. 
But we will have you come back. We got to definitely have you come back. This is a vibe. I think this is good. I think we got good synergy. Let's do it again. And as you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Inland Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Until next time. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here. And until next time.